uh, for the benefit of those who are not here. Despite the, few, the smaller numbers, I really feel God is going to bless us tonight um, for being here. And for the people who are listening at home, I think God is going to bless you too. Just not as much. <laughs> Just joking. Okay. <laughs> so, Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, and it's split into two parts. Um, the first three parts is really Paul recounting the story of the Gospels, okay? So, I'll just read you a wee bit of Ephesians 1, right? So, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. He goes on to talk about the forgiveness of sins and the will of God revealed in Christ and God's plan to unify all things and on heaven and on earth. We then go into Ephesians 2 and it talks about personal salvation and that at one point we were all dead in our transgressions and sins, that we wandered through life aimlessly, following every desire and every thought, and that Christ has saved us and that we are seated with him and that we were made to do good works. It then goes on again, and I think this was the topic that David was covering. It talks about Jews and Gentiles are now one people, that the walls dividing them have been brought down, the law that once separated them has been fulfilled but set aside, and now that all people, all people can come to God. And in Ephesians 3, Paul really talks about his own calling, which is effectively to be a teacher. His job is to make plain the mysteries of Christ, uh, the wisdom of God, and that all can approach God with confidence. So the first half of Ephesians is the proposition. It's telling you what has Christ done. The second half is what you're supposed to do about it. It's the call to action. And as I'm starting us off in that first section, I thought it was important to just separate it and let you know. So Paul starts by telling us, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. <sighs> worthy... Uh, it, it means deserving. Work in a way, live in a way that is deserving of the calling God has given you. One of the ways I heard to understand deserving is, you know when someone leaves and you take over their job, you take over their role, and people are like, oh, they've left big shoes for you to fill? For me, that's what deserving means. It's like, can you fill the big shoes that God's given you? But do you want to know something really interesting? Well, that analogy may not work for you. I'm going to stick with it because it's going to be useful for me later on. And it's going to be useful for you later on. Because in some translations, for example, the King James Version, it doesn't say live a life worthy. It says walk a life worthy. Perfect. I love it. Brilliant. But because this is a call to action, when he's saying live worthy, it's a verb. It's a doing word. Walk worthy. Actively participate in a way that is worthy of the calling you've received. And yes, you can be worthy, although admittedly, I don't know how. Fortunately, Paul, in his wisdom, he wrote us a guide. That's what Ephesians uh, 4, 1 to 16, which I should have mentioned at one point. Sorry, guys at home. Um, is, a, is a plan for doing it. So this is Paul's three-step plan to walking worthy of the calling you have received. Amen. I could have sold that there. This is Paul's three-step plan to success and glory and walking worthy. Uh, <laughs> okay, so step one is unity. So we go on to verse, we start at verse two, okay? 
Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope uh, when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So Paul's focus at this point is really on unity. You can obviously tell that by the use of, overuse of the word one. And given what he was saying in the first half in Ephesians, I think what he's probably doing, although we don't know, I think he's in addressing an issue between the Jews and the Gentiles in this church. That's why he started off in Ephesians 2 talking about it. Um, because the Jewish people were thought of as being closer to God because they were God's chosen people, and they were. And Gentiles were seen as far away. They were outside. They were excluded. What, what he's saying is, through Jesus, those things that divided you, they're gone. There's no such thing now. There's no such thing as Jew or Gentile. When you're a Christian, you are all once God's people, and you can all come closer to God. And you know, I'm, always, I'm a big believer that you should always try to make Scripture as relevant to today as possible. And I have to say, I still think this is really, really relevant, because people are always telling me I can't get close to God because I'm a Gentile. <laughs> Every single day, they're all saying, Chris, you're not Jewish, you don't know God. <laughs> Every day. Nah. Here's what I think. Um, here's how I think this is relevant to today. I work for I work for a company. I'm not going to say which. Um, I work for a company, and recently I was made to go to diversity and inclusion training. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't just me, by the way. They, they asked everyone to go. It wasn't. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Everyone had to go. And part of the training, which, you know, a lot of it's very relevant, but at the time I was thinking, do we really need to do this? Do we really need to say it? But, you know, okay, fair enough. They thought we did. Oh, and they made us do these examples, like, here's a situation. How would this make you feel? And stuff like that. And we came up to one thing. And this just bugged me. This, this was the example we were given, okay? Leon has just joined a team at our company. And everyone else in the team has a group Facebook chat, source of all the problems in the world, has a group Facebook chat that they're all part of. <laughs> they're all part of, they all like to talk, and they all like jokes, and they all talk about it through their shifts and at work. But no one has invited Leon into the Facebook chat. How might make, that might make him feel? And everyone was talking about what it's like to be the new person, what it's like to, you know, maybe they're excluding him because of this, or because of that, and, you know... Maybe he wouldn't like some of the jokes they make. And the whole time I was sitting there thinking, and no one else is thinking this, what if Leon is just not very fun to be around? What if nobody likes Leon? And no one else thought about this. What if Leon's just not the kind of guy you want to hang out with, you want to have a chat with? I, I was giggling and smirking away to myself, and I, was, I, oh, I drew breath to say it. And the guy who was leading the session just looked at me like, don't. <laughs> whatever you're thinking, whatever you're going to say, just don't. Just keep it to yourself. And I know the guy and he knows me and I respect him, so I said not. And then afterwards I was like, did you know I was going to say something? He's like, Chris, you're always going to say something. I don't want to hear it. Uh, so what's my point? I've been a Christian. I was recently telling someone this like 20 minutes ago. I was telling someone I've been a Christian for 12 years. And I have to be honest, in those 12 years, I have not always maintained the unity of the Spirit. Through the bond of peace, I, peace, I have not always been gentle and humble and patient. And I wish I could tell you it's for some deep theological reason because they believe this bit of doctrine or they interpret scripture this way and I just, I just can't accept that. That's just too far from Christ. I wish I could tell you that, but the reality is I 
just, I, I don't maintain that bond of peace because there are some people, ladies and gentlemen, who are so irritating, they just really, really bug you, and it's just so hard to get along with them. And they're always Christians. <laughs> I'm just kidding, there's always Christians and non-Christians. But you get what I mean. I don't really think in this church, really, is there issues of race or gender, really? I'm sure there's not issues of you don't like each other, but I've certainly had those issues. Not in this church. Not in this church. No, no. Previous churches, don't worry. (laughs) It's something I'm working on with Christ and have been working on for many years, okay? But what I'm trying to say is that um, we're to maintain the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, not the unity of opinion. David, you made an example a few weeks ago when you were talking how some people were saying that, oh, you go to St. John's, there's some Christians there. But actually, that doesn't matter. If Christ is at the center, there shouldn't be division between us. There should be peace. Mm-hmm. And what Paul is saying in the first way you, on how it is you walk worthy is that you are, to every other Christian, this is how we should behave. We should be humble and gentle and patient. And sometimes we just bear with each other out of love. And we do this for the sake of God's kingdom. We do this for the sake of Christ. We do this for the gospel. We do this to walk in a way that is fitting the calling that God has given us. If we get to choose which Christians we want to be patient with, which ones we want to be gentle to, then your motivations are for yourself. And that's not good. Paul uses the metaphor of us being part of a body. A body should not be at war within itself. It should be at peace. A body at war within itself is always bad. So, step one, if you want to walk worthy, to live worthy, maintain, make every effort to maintain unity through the bond of peace, or the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace by being gentle, humble, and patient with each other. Be unified amidst our diversity. And this is not of ourselves, but it's a work of God. But you do have to do it. (laughs) So, moving on to step two. A little bit more fun. Step two is ministry, or ministry strash diversity. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. Starting at verse seven, sorry. Uh, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascend mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who has descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. He's quoting Psalm 61. It's a victory cry. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is all one big sentence. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher, they're sometimes referred to as the leadership gifts. Um, and while, he's, while he is very much talking about the leaders at this point, I do just want to take a slight detour and just address anyone who thinks that those, you can only have those gifts if you're a leader, okay? So if you want a nice summary of what I'm saying here, right, you could turn to 1 Corinthians 12, right, because this is all about unity and it's all about the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm just going to read a wee bit for you here. So if you, 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, 
the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one they are given a spirit of a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit, to another faith, and by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous power, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous power, um, oh sorry, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another, the interpretation of tongues. And these are all works of one and the same Spirit, as he distributes them to each one, just as he determined. So what this is saying is you don't need to be a prophet to prophesy. You don't need to be standing up here to teach. That in fact God has given everyone, everyone, gifts. What's that thing that Keith Short says? Everyone gets to play in church. And it's definitely worth reading this chapter. Well, 1 Corinthians 12. The whole book of the Bible is worth reading. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a nice too long didn't read version. Um, leaders in Ephesians, as they're described, they are gifts from God. They're not people for you to obey. They have a job to equip the people for works of service. They, any leader, or any proper leader knows that they are not the superstars, they are not the most important people in the room, they know the people who are out there listening, they are the ones they serve, they are the superstars, they are the ones that are important. Mm -hmm. What he's saying here is that every person, no, well, every, every Christian rather, gets to play, yes, but rather a bit deeper than that, he's saying that every Christian, anyone who has the spirit in them, has a calling, has a responsibility to actively be working to build up the church. Mm -hmm. And the body is made up of different parts. And don't be discouraged that you're not like me. And be encouraged that you're not like me. Don't be discouraged that you're not like me and you're not like David Todd. You're not like Annabelle. You're not like whoever. If the foot says, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong, that's not true. The ear says, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong. Again, not true. This is one of the reasons why comparative thought when it comes to gifts is totally pointless. It's totally irrelevant. Say, that person's been given a great gift, so I, I don't have a place. There's no point in me actively participating. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Amen, Instead, what you should be asking is asking God, what gifts have you given me? What personality have you given me? What things are you still going to give me? What things do I need to be seeking earnestly? You all get to play and you all have a role to play in building up the body. The body works better when you're all, every part of it is working um, properly. So this church and every church needs you to be using your gifts, using your insights, using your character. <sighs> so that's step two, ministry. Okay, we're getting there. And now we get on to the best one of them all. Well, they're all good. Step three, uh, step three, which we've already started, is on is maturity, growing up. So we're starting at verse 11 again, because like I said, it's one big sentence and it already starts to touch on it. So, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach the full unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead... Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as does each part, as each part does its work. So again, this kind of completes the body metaphor of why unity is important. It's why it's important that we're all doing our job. 
well, all doing our calling, not a job. We don't get paid for it. David doesn't get paid enough, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> um, so what's good for us is that, as Paul is describing it, is maturity isn't something you need to actively do. In fact, by following step one and step two, maturity is the natural byproduct. By making every effort to be unified and by actively working in your gifts, maturity just comes on its own. And again, it's worth pointing out, he describes it as a process, not a completion. You're always maturing. And as new generations come into the church, they need to grow and they need to mature. It's one big process. Just needed to get that out of there quickly. <sighs> and Paul, when he's describing it, he starts with a picture of what maturity doesn't look like. Infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, cunning, and craftiness of deceitful people. But a mature Christian knows what they believe. So when they hear false teaching, they don't buy it. They're not led away from Christ. They're not led away from the church. They're not led away from actively participating, which would be destructive. Yeah. Equally, when they encounter storms, they stand fast because they know why they believe what they believe. Mm -hmm. A mature Christian knows what they believe and why they believe it. But notice, he doesn't say maturity is head knowledge, not on its own. You can memorize the whole Bible. That doesn't mean you're mature. Not even close. The mark of maturity is being able to speak the truth in love. If God tells us to walk worthy of the calling we've received, I think the truth is worthy to be spoken in love. My own opinion. We have the we we um, we we do the action, the speaking of truth. But we do it in love, which is the method, the attitude, the spirit behind it. I realized, I've kind of known this today, but I encountered something this morning, actually, where someone asked me to support them in something they had said and done. And I can't really say what it is. Um, but I realized there are lots of people in church and outside of the church who cling to truth, who have truth. There's lots of people out there fighting for good causes who can say things that are accurate, they're real, they're valid, legitimate, they're true. No one could deny. But how it's said, how it's expressed is not out of love, it's not with the desire to win anyone over, it is done to vindicate themselves or to vilify someone else. It's about, I want to be right. And that doesn't achieve anything. In God's, among God's people, he calls us to be different, calls us to be separate. He wants us, our language, is to be truth, but out of a place of love, out of that place of maturity. So, read the scriptures, know them, study them, get them in your head, but pray that God gives you a revelation of his love so you can go and speak the truth in love. So, in summary, Paul's guide to living worthy, to walking worthy, is unity, ministry, maturity. Unity is to know that you are all one people, bound together by one spirit through the bond of peace and actively maintain it through humility, gentleness, uh, patience, and sometimes just bearing with each other. Through your ministry, through your diversity, to know that you are all gifted differently, to know what your gifts are and to be actively using them to build up the body of Christ. And maturity, to know what you believe, why you believe it, and to speak the truth in love. So, my, uh, my question, my proposition is, do we live in a way that matches the calling that Christ has for us? Do we match what Christ has done? If you have faith in, if you have faith in Jesus, um, 
nothing of what I've said is going to redeem you or is going to save you because you already have salvation. You already have redemption. This isn't about that. What I'm saying now is about you becoming who you were meant to be. It is growing up into the fullness of what, who and what God made you to be. That is how you walk worthy every day. So, finally, just to end on a, hopefully a snappy line. God, <laughs> God may have given each of you, each of you, very big shoes to fill. But don't worry, because you'll grow into them. Oh, that was smooth, wasn't it? <laughs> Thanks very much. Okay.